attorney Vincent Davis, and you're on with Divorce and Family Law, the talk radio show. The effects of divorce, especially when the divorce involves children, last far longer than the divorce process itself. The consequences of marital dissolution can affect all members of the family and can last a lifetime. You've got questions? We've got the answers. Family law legal experts will answer your questions about divorce, children, money, property, custody, child support, spousal support, and the division of assets and debts. Good evening. I'm attorney Vincent Davis, and I'm doing this show from Los Angeles this evening. And on the line, hopefully, is our co-host, attorney Raj Matani. Raj, are you out there this evening? Hey, Vince, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear, Raj. Great, great. I got a, I got a new headset just for the show, so I can listen intently to all of our callers. So I'm excited to get started this week. Great, great. You know, before we start in on our topics, Raj, um, I have a caller who's on the line, area code 252, ending in 10. I want to take his call uh, and see what, he, what questions they might have for us, okay? Great. Let's uh, let's welcome the caller. Good evening. You're on with attorneys Vince Davis and Raj Matani. Hello. How are you? Doing fine. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. Do you have a story or a question for us this evening? Well, I have a story and some questions. Um, I've been married for 11 years to someone in the military. We have um, a son that's 10 years old, and we're currently here in California. Um, My husband said he wanted a divorce, so now I'm trying to get back to the East Coast, and I'm hearing all types of things that the courts would probably not allow for me and my child or our child to move back to the East Coast without permission of the father. We have no okay. family here at all, so. Who told you this? Um, a couple of lawyers have told me, especially his. They warned me that if I was to take this to court, that me and our child will be stuck here in California because no judge is going to award for me and our child to go back to the East Coast. Considering he's in the military, he has a year left, and he plans on retiring here in California. So they're saying that if he denies, then me and my child are our child are here, stuck here in California. So I'm not surprised that his lawyer told you that. Because right, and, yeah. his his lawyer, um, you know, likely would tell tell you anything that would benefit his client. Uh, right. It's a good thing that you did call in and ask us that question. I'm gonna let Raj handle that question for you. He's an expert in move away cases. Okay, perfect. Hi, good evening, ma'am. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Um, Same here. So, you know, there are a lot of factors that that affect whether or not you'd be able to move away. Um, Have you guys initiated your divorce proceedings yet? No, we have not. Okay. We're in the process of trying to settle out 
the court, but there's a mm-hmm. lot of things because retirement comes into play. And right. if he gets upset about that, then it's like, okay, then you and our child will not move if you. And then right. another thing, will he have to pay for our travel expenses, or is that on me? It sounds like what's happening is that you have all these, I mean, you know, when a when a family breaks apart, you guys have to start making decisions about, all the little factors that you guys used to take for granted, right? Right. And and now you're trying to make decisions about what to do. So it sounds like the whole conversation you're having right now is a very figurative. You guys are talking about all these different scenarios, and it's your concern about how you would be able to move away. So let's talk about that first. Yes. If you wanted to move away, you are within every right to make that request, to ask the courts for you to grant that request, and um, to provide reasons to the court as to why it should be provided. So factors that you already cited, such as you guys don't have any family resources out here, you're going to want to move to a place where you have some family there so you can get your life started, focus on maybe trying to get a job, all those kinds of things, would be Mm -hmm. factors that would be in your favor, right? Um, How old is your child? Um, 11. He's 11. Okay, so where is he going to school? Oh, here in California. And how long has he been at that school? Um, two years. Two, and then, so he'd be, I'm guessing what, he's probably in like the 6th or 7th grade, something like that? Y- yes, correct. Okay, so he's going to be entering high school. So one of the factors that the court would look at is stability for the child and their schooling. So now you get into a whole bunch of other factors about, you know, where is this new school in whatever state you're going to live in and whether or not that school could be better or worse than the California one. So for a lawyer to tell you a flat-out statement that you wouldn't be allowed to move is, in my opinion, incorrect. Mm -hmm. It's very possible you could be able to move, but it's one of the big fights that you're going to have in your case um, against your husband that you guys would have to decide on. So don't okay. let him push you around with, with this um, threat that you would never be allowed to move. Uh, you are within okay. every right to make that motion and, and, and compel a court to make a decision based on, based on those, you know, factors. Mm-hmm. But, okay. You know, one, of the other, one of the other things, it sounds like, you know, you, you guys are going through this process sort of on your own. Uh, you were saying your husband has an attorney? Yes, he has one, and I do also, but okay. it feels um, what is like I, he agrees. He agrees that you wouldn't be allowed to move away? Yes, with because I don't have the father's permission. Like, if the father does not agree to it, because they said that the state of California, they feel like they look what's best for the child. And they feel like what's best for the child will be to be around both parents mm-hmm. and spend equal time with both parents, which I understand. But mm-hmm. it's like, why should our lives be centered around him and his life and his career when this is something he wanted and has done? Right. Right. And what does he plan to do once he's retired, your husband? Um, I don't know for sure. Retire and hang out here in California. <laughs> what is, I mean, does he have any skills that he's learned in the military that would allow him to get a job? Um, yes, I'm sure he does. 
Um, but I really don't know for sure what he plans on doing. I mean, that's him. And then another thing also I want, how do they go about basing the child support, like calculating that? Oh, yes, that's another great question. And uh, uh, it leads into one of our topics later tonight, so I I really want to encourage you to stay tuned in and listen to our segments a little bit later. But... um, the way child support is calculated in, in California consider a variety of factors, but the predominant ones are what are each party's income the custo- mm-hmm. and the custodial timeshare. And that's put into a system called the Disno Master or Expos, and they run what's called a guideline calculation. And based on what that guideline spits out, you guys can either agree to that number, negotiate a different number, or play with the inputs to to potentially uh, create a different result. So Okay. So you guys would have to decide on a lot of other things like custodial timeshare, visitation, holiday schedule, as well as yes. what the incomes are before you even get to the point of negotiating what would the support amount be. Well, I know we already have like a time because before all of this, he had promised that he would grant us permission to move to the East mm-hmm. Coast. So mm-hmm. we did like a holiday schedule where he would come out. And then that's another thing I have a question for. He said he would come out every month, but then here comes the summer. He wants like pretty much the full summer mm-hmm. for her to come back. And then his lawyer was saying that, any judge will grant that because I'll have our child majority of the year. So any judge would grant for him to get the full entire summer. I, this goes back to kind of my overriding statement regarding your case. Any statement they made by his lawyer is obviously in support of his, of his client's interest, right? The same with the one that you've retained, but there are no right. absolute, there are very few absolutes. In, in the legal field. There's always an argument for something. There's always potentially a case or or equity argument that you can make to support your position. So, um, you know, when, when another attorney tells you that, oh, for sure the judge is going to go this way, that's 100% not true. There's no way we can predict what a judge will do on any given day. You never know. Right, because he was giving me all these different cases and different law rules and stuff like I know what he's talking about, and I don't. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to... His -hmm. his attorney's job is to make, uh, to sort of make you feel like you should be agreeing to what his position is, whether or not it's an accurate representation of his position or an accurate representation of the law. He's, He's negotiating for his client, and that's and that's what his objective is. Right, that's true. Okay. So, so uh, I think the best the best thing for you to do is, you know, have a conversation with your current representation uh, about what your goals and of your litigation are, and um, you know, communicate to him what you want to try and achieve and and the fight that you want to put into it, and uh, your attorney should help you in in achieving that. Um, and if they don't, then you're you're always welcome to seek a second opinion or or change your representation. So um, there are a lot of there are a lot of steps and decisions that you and your husband still have to make, and um, you have a, a significant process ahead of you. Yes, I understand. I just want to do what's best for our child. 
um, because this is hard and no one's a winner out of divorce at all. Both parties are hurt. So I just want to do what's best for our child. Yeah, and if you start with that that mentality, then the process becomes a lot easier. Uh, right. if, that's, if that's always your prime interest, and that's what the state encourages, and that's what mm-hmm. the process encourages. And if you approach it with that mentality, you can get a better result than most. Right. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. I really appreciate both of you um, listening. Well, thank you for calling, and ma'am. Good advice. All righty. And stay tuned because we're going to be talking about child support a little later on, okay? Okay. That sounds good. All righty. Thank you. Good night. Uh-huh. Thank you. Good night. Raj, that was some very good advice that you gave her with respect to both the move away and the support issue. Um, I encourage her, I I should have encouraged her to sit down with her attorney and go over all the alternatives. Hopefully uh, she'll be able to do that very soon so she can get on track and figure out how she's going to move forward in life with herself and uh, and her child. Well, right, it's the first think, topic that – go ahead. Sorry about that, Ben. Sorry to cut you off there. Um, I, I think that's a, a good thing to remind a lot, of, a lot of clients. You know, your attorney is execute your goals. Now, it's the attorney's choice on the strategy and the means to achieve them, but you have to commu- the client needs to communicate to their attorney that, you know, this is the end goal that they want. These are their non-negotiables or parameters of a resolution that they would like. And if that attorney is not achieving it for you, then we always encourage people to seek a second opinion. Very good, very good. So, what, are, Raj, what are our topics tonight? So, the reason why I encouraged our last caller to, to stay on the line with us was one of the things that we're going to be talking about are how being in the military can possibly affect child support payments. Um, there are certain aspects of military pay that courts and the family code are a little bit split on to include them in child support, and we're going to talk about that that issue. And then secondly, we're also going to be talking about a unique process where the Department of Child Support Services has intervened and is controlling or executing the child support process. And the Department of Child Support services hearings are a little bit different than regular family law, and so litigants need to be aware of that, be prepared for the process um, so that they can achieve the goals that they want. Okay, well, let's start, uh, Raj, with the first topic, uh, child support in the military. What are those issues? So this, the reason I wanted to talk about that this week is uh, I was in San Diego last week uh, doing two cases uh, at the Department of Child Support Services, and uh, one of them involved a military family. Father was in the military uh, and is now remarried. Mother is in the military, and I think she's also remarried. And they had a, a child together from their from their relationship. Uh, the child predominantly stays with the mother, and the father is, is stationed in Hawaii, actually. Um, so his ability to execute visitation is tough. And as a result the Department of Child Support Services was the one uh, enforcing the child support in this case. And what it came down to, you know, they had run a DISO master 
several months ago, and the father was paying something like 800 bucks a month in monthly child support. And he, the hearing previously, he had to fight really hard against the department to accurately reflect his income. And the components of military income are, are several. First of all, your pay is based on rank and years of service. Then secondly, you each base branch and um, service class has different additional payments that are included into their income. So our client happens to be in the Navy, and two of the things that are included in his income are what's called BAH and BHCAS. BAH is what's called basic allowances for housing, and BAS are what's called basic allowances for subsistence, so uh, cost of living, food, things like that. And what, how this affected our client is that the two parties were relatively equal. He was only one rank higher than his wife. Um, they were relatively equal in base pay. But because of the job that he has in the military and where he's stationed, which is Hawaii, his allowances for housing and subsistence were significantly higher than uh, the wife because she was stationed, I, I think she was somewhere in, in San Diego. And so because of, because of the inclusions of those numbers, his child support number skyrocketed. And I'm sitting there at the Department of Child Support Services trying to advocate for my client who's on the phone uh, participating from Hawaii, trying to advocate for our client that his BAH and BAS shouldn't be included for income. The response from the department was that there was case law and statutes in their favor stating that BAH and BAS should be included. And the specific case that they cited was um, in Ray Marriage of Stanton. This is a 2010 case that was directly on point as to whether supplemental income for military members should be included. And what that court determined is that it should be, inclu should be included. The father in that case, in Stanton, appealed to the trial, appeals court in California, and again lost. So as of right now, this is sort of the controlling case in California. However, there is Family Code 4058 that says that judges have discretion in including this number. So I go down to the Department of Child Support Services and I put this on for a hearing. And uh, you know, I argued for our client that this, these numbers should not be included. I cited to Family Code 4058 and luckily the judge was also confused on which way they should go. And so we have a hearing coming up next month and I, I have a special argument to the court uh, that I'm going to make saying that uh, on a multitude of things, but that the court is in its discretion not to include this income because it would so greatly skew our, our client's results. And um, it's, a, it's a big concern for military families because depending on the job and rank, there can be a whole slew of special pays, non-taxable pays that are included in uh, you know, uh, the earnings report for the, for the military, and it could greatly affect what's your child support outcome. So it's much more of a complex issue than just what is gross income. Right. So traditional, let's compare our military example to the traditional example. So what normally happens in a family law case 
are the parties are supposed to submit what's called an income and expense declaration. And it's a standardized form in which the parties state where they work, how much they work, and then they attach their pay stubs to it as well. Uh, the parties that are part of the litigation can also ask for additional documents to be presented uh, according to uh, California rules of court that require that tax returns and loan applications and things of that nature also be submitted. But essentially, the traditional process is based on this income and expense declaration, uh, the parties, the attorneys, and the court run the guideline calculation using a party's gross income and any deductions that they might be entitled to under the under the software. And then that spits out a result, and the court uses what's called the guideline to determine what support should be. Um, and that's usually pretty cut and dry. Attorneys will argue as, for, as far as inputs go, but that's the traditional nature of child support hearings. And Vince, I think you, you know, with your 30 years of experience, that's about as simplistic of an explanation as I can give on that, on that uh, process, correct? Yeah, your explanation is uh, right on the right on the button. Um, that's the typical analysis that you do when you are uh, trying to figure out what number to put in the calculation for a person's income. It's you know generally income from any sources. But right, tell me why. Yeah, that's the family code is that income from any source derived is, is what's able to be inputted into the system, and it's the job of the attorneys to argue whether a certain number should be included in a certain category of the software. So you cited a code section earlier um, that mm -hmm. uh, gives the judge discretion on whether to use certain type of income or not. Right. That was family code and section 4058. And uh, for our military guy, uh, when you go back to his hearing, what are the things that you're going to argue? So I, <laughs> not to give our whole case away, but uh, the the plan is to argue affirmatively that the court has the discretion um, to not follow marriage of Stanton and to not include his supplemental income. In the alternative, the the position of the court and what I'm going to have to overcome from the court is uh, the court construes this supplementary income as cash in hand. They think of it as non-taxable money to him that he's able to use for whatever reason. Uh, court wants me to respond with arguments that he either uses all of the money for living, uses some of it for living and some he keeps in cash, or that the a money should not even be considered at all and we should go just on base pay. Uh, it's my position that the court has the discretion to just take out the money completely or in the alternative, deduct what he actually uses for living expenses and only include that, those numbers um, for the purposes of child support calculation. That's exactly what I, do, what I would argue. But in the fallback position, you're going to have to have some evidence, I think, as to how he spends that money, and it's going right. to have to be under penalty of perjury you know, some type of declaration to show that he actually uses that money to live in Hawaii right. because of probably the economy there is, you know, things are higher priced there. Right, exactly. So um, part, of the, part of that has already been submitted, right? He has an income and expense declaration that breaks down 
what his rent is, what his food costs are, and so on and so forth. And so it's my job to present at the hearing affirmative evidence that validates those representations. Very good. I think um, if I were the judge, Raj, I don't know if I would buy that first argument uh, because <laughs> income is income in my mind, but uh, you know, right. reasonable minds may differ. But uh, if I could show that my client actually, you know, uses that money to live on, and I had you know relevant, competent, admissible evidence, then I would I, I might buy your argument and uh, use only or use none of the supplemental income or only use a small portion of it in calculating the child support that should be paid to the mother. Yeah, ex- I, exactly, and I, I think. I got some confidence from the court in in knowing that they the court was also confused and asked for what's called a memorandum of points and authorities, you know, as to why I think my position is accurate. So um, the court was, I think, looking for guidance and might be uh, might be swayed by my by my presentation or or in the alternative, you know, they just go with the guidelines. So um, you know, I'll be I'll be excited to update all of our listeners with how that case turns out. Very good, very good. You know, Raj, I want to take another call right now. Um, we have someone on the line with area code 760 and ending in 13. You're Hello. on with attorneys. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? Can you hear me? I can hear Hi, you I loud I can hear you clear. loud and clear. Oh, you can? Okay. <laughs> so did you want to tell us a story this evening or ask us some questions? Yeah, I wanted to kind of give you my um, situation that I have right now, my child custody sure. case, and maybe get some feedback on what to do just so I have, like, you know, like I have the knowledge when I go to do it. Certainly. Okay, so it gets a little complicated. So... um I have full sole physical custody of my daughter and I have full legal custody of my daughter and I also have a restraining order placed against her father. Um, so he gets visitation once a week and that's supervised by his mother. And um, I, right now I'm in Southern California and as everyone probably knows, it's very expensive and it's very hard to make it out here. Um, I'm not able to make it. I mean, he pays, I think the child support services takes care of like the, you know, I get 50 bucks a month and I get aid, but it's just not enough to live off of. And, um, I had a situation come up in my life that my grandfather who lives in Arizona is very ill and needs help. And, um, I wanted to relocate because it's way more affordable and because I want to help out my family. And, um, of course my kid's father is going to put up a fight now about it and tell me that I can't take her. So I guess my question is what are my what are my rights and what can I do about relocating? Raj, go ahead and handle that. You're an expert in this area. <laughs> um uh yeah, so remind me once again, he has visitation how often? Once a week. Once per week. And it's for how long? It's supervised, and it's all it could i mean i get, I let him have her for the day, but with his mom really like so it's about i don't know six seven hours so is there a scenario under which you could 
do the visitation every Saturday and drive back and, and execute the visitation? It's like a six-hour drive. Otherwise, I would. But it's a, it's a long, long haul. Like, it's not like I'm in Yuma or something closer. Uh-huh. I'll be going okay. to Tucson, and I'm in San Diego. Okay. Uh, could you fly? Uh, there's no way I could afford that. No trips back and forth. Okay. Yeah. Um, what is his ability to, to come out to Arizona? Uh, not great. He doesn't have um, he doesn't have a license because because he, he got it revoked. So okay, okay. So here's here's sort of the the dilemma that you're in. You are in a somewhat of an advantage advantageous position because you have so legal, so physical. So the court has already trusted you to make mm-hmm. good decisions in the best interest of your child. Um, Mm -hmm. and trust the discretion that you would have. That's why they gave you full legal. Um, And they also gave him a very limited amount of visitation time because of his issues, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the argument that or the the position you're going to have to represent to the court is that you're only receiving a minimal amount of support from father. It's you're primarily responsible for taking care of your child, and you can't continue to live in California on those on those grounds, that you need to go somewhere where you have some family support, um, cheaper cost of living, uh, things like that. What do you do for a living? Hello? 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 Raj? Hi, can you guys hear me? I can Hello? hear you. I think we may have. I think we may have lost the caller. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I I heard a a drop, and so I couldn't tell if couldn't tell if we lost the caller or if you guys lost me. Let me see. I think she called back in. Let me try. This uh, technology is great, but when it, ma'am, are you still there? <laughs> yes, I'm back. <laughs> okay, great. Okay. So, so Roger, um, what were you saying? I, yeah, so I wanted to ask her what what is what does she do for a living? I'm a licensed cosmetologist. Okay, so you can do your so job I'm a hair anywhere. And, yeah, so you could do your job anywhere and you could probably get a good job in Arizona. Exactly. I already have one lined okay. up actually. Even better. Okay. So do you have an attorney currently? I do not. Mm-mm. Okay. Um so either through an attorney, and we'd be happy to help you out with it, or on your own, uh, using the self-help center at the court, you would have to make an argument to the court that all of these equity factors are in your favor that justify you moving away. Um, And I don't know if you got to listen to our previous call. She was concerned about the father not agreeing, and she also had a move-away question. Uh, It sounds like you're you're in the same situation where where your ex is not going to agree to the move either. Yeah. Yeah, so you need to ask the court to make an affirmative order granting you this move. And I think you have a lot of factors in your favor that could potentially result in your favor. But, uh, you know, you would have to make that petition to the court and and explain out all of these factors and reasons as to why you should be allowed to move. And given that okay. you have so legal physical, you, you, you know, you're in a better position to request that. Okay. The key for you you're is, is really going to be... Yeah, you're in a great position. I I, I shouldn't understate. Um, 
the the key for you actually is going to be explaining to the court how you're going to be able to maintain the same amount effectively of visitation for the dad. So yeah. you know, I was asking you questions about your ability to travel. The reason I was asking that is you would have to come up with a scenario to tell the court that, hey, you know, I can't do visitation every weekend. I can't fly. It's a far drive. But I could do it every other weekend and give him a more a greater amount of time. Something to that. Effect. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, so, something like that. Right. You would have to show the court that your move is not going to diminish Affect the amount the of time that yeah, doesn't diminish the relationship or the amount of time okay. that the father currently has. Okay. That would be your that would be the big hurdle you would have to overcome. And, and thankfully we have we have like technology too, so I could always can is it a factor to say like FaceTiming and stuff like that to make sure that there's still a connection between her and him? Oh, definitely. Like is that a good definitely. argument like, you know, she can well, FaceTime him every nothing night. Re- yeah, nothing replaces a tangible touch. Um, yeah, of so course. You, you don't want to diminish that, but, you know, I don't know. Do you guys have set up phone calls right now? Say that one more time. Sorry. Do you guys have weekly phone calls or anything like that going on? No, he doesn't even call her during the week at all, ever. Okay. okay. So. And um, were you and your ex married or you guys were just um No, we were just dating? together. Okay. We're just um, and so you you have a judgment of paternity. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, okay. yes. <laughs> okay. And how? But when yeah. was that? When was that entered? Uh, well, she's four, so this was. But see, it, we started off with social services involved, in okay. in the beginning. So it's like I said, it's very like complicated. But we have a huge file, you know, of everything into it, and I did everything I was supposed to, and he didn't, and that's why I got full okay. custody. Okay, and so. what, when did they make that order to give you full custody? They gave me that order when she w- she had just turned two, so this was two years ago. I got her back okay. two years ago. And he hasn't made any efforts to change that order. No, he hasn't. He's actually he got it actually got reverted back to like less time because he was so oh. rude and disrespectful to the judge. <laughs> well, yeah, I I I I think you're in a. Um, strong position to make this request to the court, and it's, it, you know, like I said earlier, it's, you're going to be really reliant on showing the judge that you have all these resources already set up in Arizona. You have a job lined up. You're going to go to take care of your uh, grandfather. You have a house. Mm-hmm. You know what school she's going to be enrolled in. Um, all of these factors, and that dad is out here doing a whole bunch of nothing. So uh, that that would be the that would be the argument you're going to have to make. Okay. All right. Okay, well, that makes me feel a little bit better. Ma'am, the more and more you talked about your case, the stronger I think your case became. Um, You have the domestic violence issue. You have the previous Mm -hmm. uh, CPS involvement where he didn't do anything. You have so legal. You have so physical. He doesn't call during the week. If I were the judge and I had even a little bit of sympathy for him, what I'd probably let you do is I'd let you move. I'd probably make you come back uh, or send the child back one week in a month. And then I'd make it up during Christmas vacation, spring vacation, and, you know, summer vacation. Not saying that I would Mm -hmm. give him the whole summer, but, you know, I'd give him, you know, maybe a week, uh, one month and a week another month, something like that, you know until he uh, 
took some classes or counseling or rehabilitated himself with respect to the domestic violence and the reasons that initially took you to, you know, the, the juvenile dependency court with CPS. Yeah. Yeah, that was rough. But, yeah, he still hasn't done the therapy involved because, you know, there's always a list of things they want you to do. Um, he hasn't done all the stuff yet. So, I mean, uh-huh. and that's been, and she's four. So, it's like, okay. She's four years old? Yeah, and he's still, he's had all this time and he still hasn't done everything. So, but he tries to use that as control, you know. I'm sure you see that all the time. Yeah. He's the yeah. button for I'll- me, so. <laughs> How old is he? He's 35. Okay. And uh, what's his relationship like with the child? It's really, to be honest with you, um, it's it, they've bonded a little bit more lately because they've had more time together, but they don't have a strong connection. She's really attached to my husband is who she's really attached to. And he doesn't like that. But my husband's been in her life for three years, so... And her dad has been in and out of jail the entire time. So, you know, it's been hard for her to connect with him. That's another fact in your favor, that, you know, he's been in and out of jail so much. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, anyway. You know, there's a process about the move away. Uh, Raj, why don't you tell her sometimes what's required is the uh, 730 evaluation. Well, yeah, that's one of the things that the court could order. So what you're going to – you're going to have to file some initial paperwork called a request for order asking for this move-away request to be granted. One of the things that the court might order or that you might proactively seek is what's called a a 730 evaluation. And what that does is it has a a licensed therapist or someone specializing in in children to do an evaluation of you – uh, the father, uh, your living situation, and what your potential situation in Arizona could be, and report to the court as to their findings. Okay. And then the court. So somewhat the court of a mediator. No, it's not a mediator. It's a it's a it's a therapist or someone oh, with a degree okay. in psychology who assesses. Uh, you know, you spoke to how your child is actually really close with your now husband. So mm-hmm. that's that evaluator would be able to do an assessment or would be able to report be able to report on that relationship and how strong it is and that they should keep, you know, your family unit together and the best way to do that is in potentially Arizona. So okay. uh, that might be one way to prove to the court as evidence that the choices that you want to make are actually the good ones. Okay. Awesome. May I ask you a personal may I ask you a personal question? Of course. Is your current husband, is he good with moving to Arizona? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right, so you don't have that problem. No, I don't have that problem. <laughs> okay, well, I want to thank you, ma'am, for calling in this evening. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It helped me feel more at ease because I've been so stressed out about everything and just trying to rack my brain on what I should do. <laughs> Sure, sure. Okay, well, have a good evening. Awesome. You too. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Raj, two move-away callers tonight. It's the the topic of the the day. Move-away is in the air. 
Yeah. Um, Raj, what, what was our second topic for this evening? Okay, so the second topic of this evening was uh, the Department of Child Support Services uh, special enforcement hearings uh, for child support. Uh, so, like our, like I was saying initially on my first story, I was on two cases actually with the Department of Child Support Services in San Diego last week. I could complain about being in court all day from 8:30 to 4:30, but then I had a nice view of the harbor from the courthouse, so that made everything feel better. But um, what I want clients to know, or what I want our listeners to know, about child support services hearings is that they're a little bit unsettling. It's a little bit of a different process. And if you're not ready for what that process could entail, it can it can become a very stressful event for somebody. And so I kind of wanted to go through what the day might be like, what things they might encounter, and how to best be prepared for that. Certainly. Now, even though you were in San Diego County, this... Yeah these child department of child support services or something uh, with a similar name exists in every County in California. Correct. Correct. So, okay. so um, go ahead. Yeah, they're in, they're in every County and what's becoming the trend in a lot of places is to have a specific building or courthouse or level of the courthouse that's dedicated to this process in these proceedings. So what was your day like in, in court? Oh, it was it was an interesting day. So uh, for our clients, I'll, I can sort of explain what my day was like and, and uh, that can sort of create an expectation for, for our listeners this week. So what happens in a Department of Child Support Services hearing is that the department has taken over the process of enforcing child support. So what typically happens in a normal family law case, the two parties are there. There's a child support order that is made, and it's the obligation of the liable parent to pay the other side on a certain schedule uh, per month. Sometimes when there are special circumstances or when one of the receiving parties asks, the department can become in charge of enforcing support. So then what happens, the department is now the one who, um, they don't represent the receiving party, but they advocate for them. And they help them collect support and make sure it's directly paid to the receiving party. The way that this happens is, is they call you in for a specific hearing on a, on a certain day. There's usually a check-in floor, either in the courthouse itself or on a, a separate courthouse that's away from all the family law courthouses uh, that's handling just child support. So you, the client goes in, they check in with the desk clerk uh, at 8 a.m. or 8.30 a.m., whatever time you're called at. They check in with the desk clerk, and then you sit. And you sit and you wait in this long row of chairs, typically, or in this large room where everyone who has a child support hearing that day is waiting to be heard. And the reason that everyone, all the clients are sitting out in this special waiting room area, special office area, in which all of their attorneys are there. And these attorneys sit there from 8.30 in the morning to 4.30 in the afternoon doing nothing but child support all day. Uh, they know this law somewhat inside and out. And they sit there and then they call each person one by one and they go over the factors that are to be put into the guideline calculation to determine child support. 
so it's with this person that you discuss visitation time, that you discuss your income, that you go over your income and expense declaration, that you present facts that you think the other side is either truthful or not truthful about. And it's a really overwhelming process because for a lot of unrepresented litigants, they're there all by themselves with a stack of papers, unaware of the process, and they're facing this Department of Child Support Services uh, attorney who has experience in the world and is advocating for the receiving party. And it's a very stressful process, and uh, sometimes not having an attorney there can, can be to one's disadvantage. So you go there and you talk with this attorney, and they give you a proposed guideline output. And you can either agree or disagree with it. If you agree with it, which they would love for you to do because it makes their day really easy and all you have to do is sign a stipulation and they can move on to the next case. Or you can contest it and ask to be put in front of the judge and have your matter heard. And this process can last anywhere from 10 minutes and you could be done in the morning or you could be there the whole day waiting for your case to be heard downstairs in the, in the child support hearing uh, with the judge. So it's a very stressful process then. Interesting. And, and you were there all day? Well, yeah, I had two matters that day. And one of them uh, we actually ended up stipulating to after extensive argument between myself and uh, the department's attorney. And, you know, the department, like I said, they do this all day, every day. Their attorneys are exclusive to the area of child support and about enforcing it. And the interesting part is the attorneys that are upstairs uh, are a whole different team from the attorneys that are downstairs. So in every courtroom, there's an attorney that's sitting there the whole day. They have two big monitors in front of them with all the case notes and arguments and how to advocate for the client that they've never even met. And they, you go down there and uh, enter into this whole case battle with this department attorney who's supported by another team upstairs, and these unrepresent, unrepresented litigants are there all by themselves trying to fight for either increasing their support or minimizing their support. And uh, it, can, it can create a whole host of emotions for litigants that can be very stressful. Uh, how, were, was it stressful for our clients there that day? I, not to uh, sort of advocate for our firm, but I, I think our, our clients who were assisted by, by an attorney that day felt a lot better about that process. In fact, in the afternoon hearing, I was able to get um, a very large amount of child support arrears that was alleged um, minimized by removing insurance, setting up payments, uh, dismissing allegations of the opposing party. Uh, so by having an attorney there, it can reduce the stress on the litigants themselves, and it can also hold the department accountable to proving their case and um, potentially reducing the amount of child support paid. You, you said earlier that you're going back to San Diego and one of these cases was our client who's in the Navy. Um, mm -hmm. do, you, do you expect to be there most of the day or do you think uh, the judge will have your hearing right away in the morning? Um, I'm, we're, we're set for, for a hearing on that specific issue. So um, 
between now and then, the department and I may have some negotiations, and I, I think I'll have to participate in a in a five-minute uh, explanation of our position, but I presume that we'll be going straight to a hearing right in front of the judge. Um, and then if the judge makes an order based on my presentation of facts, they'll shoot me back upstairs to speak with the department attorneys and rerun the calculation um, and then do further negotiation based on that. So in, in a child support hearing, litigants are shuttled between uh, you know, a desk clerk, uh, an upstairs department attorney, the department where the hearing is held, the judge, and they're shuttled back and forth, back and forth, um, you know, sort of like a uh, sort of like a pawn in the process where the department is just looking to resolve the case and move on to the next one. I see. How many judges are were in this court building in uh, San Diego? Just doing child support alone, I think there were three or four. Um, if there are litigants who are here in the LA area, they might be familiar with the with the Commonwealth Court on Sixth and Commonwealth. That entire building is dedicated to child support. It's like sixteen floors or something like that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know the department is a is a big entity and it's sometimes good for for litigants to have the department enforcing support because they have means of collecting support that are very strong and uh, are more expansive than that than an attorney can do. For example, the department can intercept a um, child support debtor's taxes and collect the money out of their taxes and have it go towards a rearage payment. So um, they're a very strong body, and having an attorney... Uh, by your side can really help in making sure that the department does their job, that they input the right numbers, and that they, um, you know, have to really consider the facts of your case as opposed to just, you know, going through it via rote memorization. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a big business for the counties. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, if you were to... Litigants don't necessarily get to come behind the curtain and see see that attorney process. Um, you know, they, they're just called back when it's just their case. But, you know, you'll go back there and then here in the Commonwealth Court, it's effectively a bullpen of attorneys sitting there in cubicles one by one doing nothing but child support. Child support. Big business. Collecting Big the child business. support. Bigger business. Even bigger business. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Raj, we're, co- we're coming towards the end of our show, and I want to dedicate a few moments to discussing how we can help people who have family law, divorce, child custody, child support issues, how we can help them uh, either in court or out of court. Yeah, Vince, um, you know, I, I think you would be best to explain what what traditional services our firm offers, and uh, I could explain our, our new and emerging service that we're looking forward to bringing out uh, to our clients via mediation. Tell me about the mediation, because, you know, we first talked about this a few weeks ago, and I loved 
your particular model of providing services to clients, uh, you know, who have divorces or even, you know, just a plain old run-of-the-mill child custody, child support case. Tell me what what we would do for the clients uh, from, with respect to mediation. So, um, you know, we had that one caller today who said that she was represented by an attorney. The other side was represented by an attorney, but they're trying to work everything out. It's not necessarily always the case that parties have to arm themselves with one attorney on each side and be a bitter, bitter battle. There is a way to amicably resolve one's case uh, with the guidance of an attorney and knowing what all the possible outcomes are, but without being comprised in this large litigious process. And the way to do that is via mediation. What uh, the law offices of Vincent Davis and Associates can do for clients is if there are two parties who are contemplating divorce or have a child support matter, they can come to our office for a flat fee. Uh, they get a designated number of sessions with an attorney uh, for a certain amount of hours. We do all the paperwork related to that specific case, uh, and we help you from A to Z. So, for instance, in a divorce, we'd help you from everything from filing the petition all the way through getting all the information from both sides, and getting to what's called a stipulated judgment. And the great part about it is parties may never even have to set foot in a courtroom. They do all the negotiation here in our lovely offices in Arcadia um, without any stress uh, or overwhelming process of the, of the litigation. And you negotiate the case, and uh, you submit that to the court for judgment, and within a reasonable amount of time, you can be on your way and save yourself, your family, and your pocketbook uh, the expense and, and energy of a, of a litigious case. So uh, it's, a, it's a service that we're happy to introduce to our, our uh, clients out here in Los Angeles, and we encourage people to call us and, and see if it's a service that works for them. That's a that's a, I, I I really like that model because I think it's a win win um, for everyone, not only yeah. the uh, clients but the lawyer as well. Right, and, and it's very saves, yeah. And how this saves the, the clients is that you know you're you're free to talk about your case openly and honestly because the attorney that's doing the mediation, they can never represent either side in a court process. So uh, they can't bring out information that they, they thought that they heard from the other side or anything of that nature. It's a free and open process that's encouraging disclosure, encouraging negotiation, and encouraging resolution. So um, it's, a great, it's a great way for parties to try and solve their matter without you know, making it a big, a big case. Assuming that uh, a person that contacts us does not want to do mediation, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes people want to go, go to court. They want to be involved in litigation for a variety of reasons. Uh, and there's nothing what wrong models with that. Do, right. What models do we have to offer potential clients in those situations? So we offer a, a variety of options. Uh, the most obvious one is the traditional firm model. Uh, we sign up a client on a basic retainer uh, for a set amount of money, and we begin your case. We bill, uh, we bill ourselves against that initial retainer, and if that 
amount of if the case expands and that amount of money doesn't cover the whole case, then the client is asked to replenish that retainer and we keep working on the case. Uh, the second option is what's called limited scope or unbundled services. So let's say a client has a very specific issue coming up. They have just child support or just child custody or um, division of a pension or something of that nature, a very narrow issue. The clients can hire our firm to do just that issue. Uh, we can do just the paperwork for you or we can even do uh, the appearance for you for a flat rate. And the clients hire us on limited scope just to solve that one issue at a flat fee. And then when that issue is over, the attorney-client representation uh, agreement ends and the parties move on. And when there's a new issue that comes up, the clients are free to come back and hire us and we can solve the next part of their case. And it's sort of like ordering services from a menu, isn't it? Right. It's just like that. So let's say you know you and a party is ready to start a divorce. Well, the first thing you have to do is file the divorce petition. So a client can come into our office, order item number one off the menu, dissolution petition. There will be a flat fee for that one service. We'll prepare the documents for you, give you instructions on how to file it, give you instructions on how to serve it, and then you're off on your merry way and you pay us that one fee and you're not concerned about every time you call the attorney, how much is it? Every time you send an email, how much is it? Things of that nature. You're just paying that one fee to make sure we prepare the documents for you or that one item for you. And if you have a hearing, oh, so you can it's... hire us just for, that, just for that hearing and it'd be a flat fee whether we're there for 10 minutes or 10 hours. So flat fee, what does that mean? Flat fee means that the client has quoted a specific price to cover cover the services that they're ordering off the menu. So our fee agreement will explain to the client the exact services that we're providing and the exact cost of what that will be. And the client pays a one-time fee, flat rate, and we do everything necessary to complete what we said we would complete. So whether it takes 100 calls from us or one call from us, you know as the, as the client that you've ordered this singular service and it's going to be a flat rate the whole time. Very good, very good. Um, some clients don't like getting a bill at the end of every month and this flat fee eliminates that. It's a pay-as-you-go method. Correct. All right, Raj, we have about a minute left in the show. Next Wednesday at 7 p.m. when we're on the air next with our show, what would you like? What topics would you like to talk about? Well, first, I want to encourage any listeners out there to feel free to call into the show, and we'd love to answer your questions. We love talking to new clients and, and providing guidance. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is uh, preparing a case for judgment. Uh, there's a lot of papers and, and items that need to be completed, and um, you know we can give clients some guidance on, on what that process is like. Okay, so we'll talk about judgments. Any other area of family law you'd like to speak about? I mean, child support has has more numerous areas that can that can count. So uh, we'll we'll put child support as a supplementary topic, as a as a standing topic almost every week. Why not? All right, Raj. We're running out of time. We'll see you next week, Wednesday, seven p.m. 
All right. Have a great night, Vince.